The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. Welcome to the latest edition of the SWN Podcast. I am your host most of the time, Billy. I can only say that now because I've now hosted all but one episode of the show because of episode 100. Uh, I am joined on this edition by one of the top referees in the country. Um, there is there is about five very high-profile referees, and he's definitely one of them. I'm joined by Chris Quinn. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Billy. Appreciate it. Um, so you're, you're the second referee I've had on the show. And uh, the, the first one, Dennis Law from WrestleZone, he's asked a bunch of questions, so we'll definitely get into them <laughs> at some point. But yeah. the first question is always the same. It's the classic wrestler question on a podcast. How'd you get into pro wrestling? What was the moment that got you hooked? Uh, oh, it's going back, way back. Um, I'm going to probably show my age now. Um, the first the first time I've ever seen anything with wrestling was my brother got a VHS tape of WrestleMania six. And that was uh, obviously Hogan Warrior. And put it on, I mean, you were going back, I was about maybe nine, ten year old at the time. And uh, I just hooked on it, absolutely hooked on it. Um, and, and growing up, it was uh, in our house, me and my brother, like two brothers always do, always fight. We always picked sides. He was Warrior, I was Hogan. And then as it you know progressed into latter years, like he was Brett, I was Sean. Um, but WrestleMania 6 was the first one I seen. And again, we would then source out like a local video store and rent VHS tapes to to watch some of the old pay-per-views um, and it wasn't until I think around 95 we got Sky and that's when I first watched my first pay-per-view which was Survivor Series and then from there on it's just been you know non-stop really So what was the tape that you went and got? The tapes we went and got uh, back and forth. Um, so his his mate gave us WrestleMania six, um, and then the ones there was a, a Hulk Hogan um, like collection. It was called Real American or something, um, and that had like a lot of things for like Wrestling Challenge and Superstars on it. It was all Hogan stuff. Um, and then we got uh, I've never seen WrestleMania eight. We got we got that one um, out of the video store. Um, and then a friend who lived two doors up, one of the neighbours. Um, he would he would record it the pay per views for us, um. So like I seen like WrestleMania nine and ten and stuff like that as well, um. But I the earliest I can remember was was six, and then from then on right up until when we got Sky uh, in ninety five, and then watched it from from then on. I was like, if there's every story. <laughs> there's always a guy who records it for you because I know my, my mate recorded it off the Skybox uh, or yeah. Skybox office. I never seem to speak to people who did the recording and handed yeah. the tapes on. It's always, I don't know <laughs> if, they, if they just got fed up of it and just moved on with, with wrestling and it's just all us, us uh, hoping and willing for the, <laughs> the VHS tapes to turn up at school the next day to borrow and and, and what have you. Um, I think I've, I've still got a box of them because I'm, I'm just, I'm too great. I don't want to get rid of any of my wrestling stuff. <laughs> it's really difficult to do. So unfortunately, my, Unfortunately for my wife, there are they're at my parents in their loft <laughs> because I don't think I'd get them in here. I've got enough crap in my back in the background already without adding about four or five boxes of DVDs and videotapes and and uh, but I've, I've kept a VHS player in the loft. It's it's staying oh, there right. forever. Stay there. <laughs> 
I don't know if she knows it's still there, but it's there, and it's, it's, it's one of those combi there. ones, DVD, VHS combis. And I'm like, nah, that's uh, never get chucked out. That's staying in the <laughs> house. I'll find a way uh, to to get him used. So Hogan was your guy then. That was your first mm. guy. Um, first one, yeah. <clears throat> right about that time, then of course it would be big cartoon heroes, the Aquasong, mm. and you had. Uh, <laughs> Didn't think I get an aqua reference at all in a podcast, <laughs> but uh, so you had those, and then of course moved on to '95. That's perfect. Bang into the new gen. Mm-hmm. So you had all these big characters. And uh, you said Brett and Sean. Was there any other ones that were like? Did you like? Did you love Duke, Duke the Jump Dumpster Drozzy? Did you? T.L. Hooper, mm-hmm. uh, T.L. Hopper was he your guy? Was no, else? I mean like when, like I say, our, our mate who's a neighbour, he was recording some of the the stuff but when we got Sky in 95 it was Survivor Series so it was coming into that era um, like Brett was my brother's guy Sean was mine um, but then watching back some of the stuff previous to that like in like 94 coming into 95 so uh, I didn't really like a lot of the gimmicky ones like uh, you know like the Teal Hopper and the Dumpster and Doink the Clown stuff like that um, I remember seeing like Mr. Perfect um, I liked him um Diesel, um, I forgot, I'm trying to think who else in that time. Luger, uh, Luger, be Luger well. I quite, quite like Luger, um, Razor Ramon, all those kind of ones as well. Um, but again, like seeing it more regularly from 95 onwards is when I really got into it proper and then, you know, just continued then obviously writing at 96 and then, and that, that was it, kept going forward from there. So I know from my research, you're, you're a big fan of one wrestler in particular. Uh, maybe, maybe, yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe a little bit. Uh, your shirt's not giving it away for those no. who are watching the audio <laughs> one. So, were, were you the, were you watching it? Uh, so it was a Survivor Series '96. Was it was it the debut of of uh, The Rock? Yeah, so that was like a, a year into having Sky, and uh, for the first moment, obviously seeing The Rock, I just thought that's that's the guy. That's that's a guy I'm going to get behind, and uh, being a fan of his, obviously for. It's it's hard when people say who's who's your favorite all time wrestler and you know I would always think like Shawn Michaels was probably the greatest, um, and then obviously there was the argument again going back with me and my brother it was like he was an Austin guy I was a Rock guy, um, but yeah for the minute I seen the Rock and I thought that's that guy's that guy's gold and just been a huge fan throughout his wrestling career followed his career followed his movie career as well um, even some of the you know the early horrendous ones that um you know at least like um like, I, I can't really say i don't like tooth fairy because i've got a nine-year-old daughter who absolutely loves him more than i do um so she she likes all those ones but then some of the i've never seen doom i won't watch that gridiron gang oh, that was a bit oh nice. thank god that was the one that i was gonna say for for a bad for a bad rock film gridiron gang. yeah i got it, that for it, a birthday present it's the most boring film i've seen in a long time I thought it was like almost like a poor version of Remember the Titans, but it's just I not so good. But um, yeah, I'd say following his career right up until you know he left, and then you know got into the acting, and then you know some horrendous movies that you would think, oh, this is going to be another Hogan scenario with the, the acting side. But I uh, come come good now, and then you know his returns and that, and I'm I'm still I'm still clinging on that he's going to come back and do one more match, hopefully. 
but we're all hoping for for we're all hoping for ro- rock and yeah. rock roman that's the one isn't it that's yeah everyone's hoping for um so yeah the, the, the rock it'd be kind of same when you try and think your favorite of all time for those that aren't don't watch wrestling or knew of it i'd always say steve austin because i know everyone mm-hmm. knows steve austin but if, if i know they're a wrestling fan it's a weird one it's jeff hardy it's always jeff hardy yeah he, I mean... he was that guy for me that for you he was the guy i saw and i was like that's the guy. That's my guy that I'm gonna just support, even through the bad yeah. stuff. He's still gonna be my guy at the end of it. The, what, the one that was weird, like when you mentioned Austin, is <clears throat> like a, a very like early memory. Like when I said when we got Sky, and you know, you remember when Raw used to be on like a Friday night, like ten till twelve on on Sky Sports. And I remember like me and my brother would sit and watch Raw, and this was around the time right in the midst of the Attitude Era, and my dad would come in and just like, oh, what are you watching? It's like, oh, we're watching the wrestling. And he's like, and he just slate it. He's like, oh, that's crap. You know, this is, oh, look, he's, he didn't even touch him there. As soon as Austin came out, he was like, oh, I'm going to take notice of this guy. And then he didn't sit and watch it with us. And it was like, oh, I like him. I do like him, you know. And it's like him beating up his boss and stuff. And it was that kind of cool way where it was like, my dad instantly was like, oh, this is a load of rubbish. Second Austin's there. It's like, oh, you know, I'm going to watch this. I quite, quite enjoy him. So, so we're, I like I like how kind of we kind of had the same experiences, even though I started watching around about ninety nine two thousand, so it was a little bit later mm-hmm. on. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was it was the same. I, I got scared by Kane Undertaker, and I was pretty much told not not in these words, but it's just manny's in suits, so don't worry about <laughs> it. It's not real. Uh, but then my mum would end up just go just like sitting down watching SmackDown with me, and then she'd be like, oh, this is just, this, I don't get it. And then Triple H would come out, and she'd be like, Oh, well. <laughs> quite like him yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's the same as we went to see it live in 2006 and my dad was like oh, I'm taking you because I'm driving I'm the only one I could drive um, and I was, I was 16 so I wasn't driving anyway but uh, yeah we didn't see it and he, was, he was like I, I, I get why you watch it live right. I, I get that I don't get the telly but I don't understand watching it on the telly it just, it just looks fake but when you see it live it's fine I get, I get right. it uh, but that was, that was his one and done experience watching it live you'll come to the W3L but that's about <laughs> It's yeah, a bit, a bit different. Um, so yeah, The Rock was your guy. Yeah, yeah, loved The Rock, and we moved on to well, years later. Then mm-hmm. you started training at GPWA. So how did you decide to go? Right, I'm going to actually give this a go. Um, so at the time, um, I think I was about 34, so it was quite slightly uh, so about five, five, six years ago. Yeah. Um, so I done. I used to do stand up comedy for uh, a good five years, and I just I love you know the art of performing and you know crowd work and, and loads of stuff. Um, and done you know a number of shows at the stand, done shows at the the Fringe, the Glasgow Comedy Festival and stuff. And it was that way where I think my heart just kind of fell out of it towards the tail end, and I kind of didn't feel like I was progressing and going anywhere. And I remember seeing. At the time, I think it was, I, I didn't really know a lot about the indie stuff. And it was a couple of couple of mates who, who were through for Glasgow kind of way. And they took me to an ICW show in Glasgow and also um, a BCW show in Kilmarnock. And again, just got, got right into the indie stuff. And I think it was there I'd maybe seen like an advert for the GPWA or it might have been on Facebook or, or something. And it was just that kind of way where I'd, I'd wrapped up the comedy and I thought, right, this is me. I'm, I'm finishing up with this. I'm not going to keep going with this anymore. And I thought, I want to do something. And it was just that kind of way, weird way where it's like, well, do you know what? It's now or never. I've got to give it a try. Um, 
and more so like because I was always my, my daughter which is nine now so she was she was getting a wee bit older and I was wanting to do something that she could maybe come and see me and couldn't really do that with the stand-up stuff um so I thought well you know wrestling's always something I've loved and it's it's kind of kind of cool to say well I'm going to give that a go and, and see if it could become anything but I was I was wasn't naive enough to think well I'm 35 now so it's really like this is that you know I can I'm not 21 so um so just went along uh, signed up for their their uh, induction course and it was like an eight week course um and just you get taught the basic you know fundamentals of wrestling you know the, the basic moves um and, and you learn very quickly how uh, how much it does hurt and when it's the one thing when when you get all those really ignorant people will say wrestling's fake it's like uh, it's not fake there's nothing fake about it um and yeah just learning that was uh something that i just thought well, i'm gonna give this a go and see see where it went uh just to back up a little bit then of course you said stand-up mm-hmm. comedy uh, which i do have in my, my notes here I'm very <laughs> well my well my my 10 line of notes uh what was your kind of comedy style then was it was it just like was it realism was it just classic jokes what was your kind of thing i kind of observational um a lot of things taken from personal experience um a lot of the things i like to do would be um focusing on like you know relationships you know couples um marking a outlook was like if if someone mom and dad's age came and somewhat you know someone my friends came and couples you know I, I would make jokes about like you know what the missies would do or you know what would drive her nuts that i would do and vice versa and things that anyone could can relate to um and then becoming a father you know the kind of the joys of because having kids and you know all things that could be funny within that and again a lot of things that people could relate to no matter if you were like i say 25 30 35 40 50 60 whatever um and then just you know some of the kind of ob- obvious observational things like if there was something you know particular in the news you could you know kind of make jokes around i remember around the time i made a lot of jokes about when there was that horse meat scandal and the burgers and or things like that and just again picking these things and finding that but again I think I got out at the right time because I kind of feel now that it must be like when I, you know guys that I'm still friends with in the business and that it must be so hard because you know everyone's offended at everything they, nowadays so I think it must be so tough to, to even try and find that balance because you're never going to please everybody with, with comedy and comedy is subjective but um, it is the sort of thing where at the time I enjoyed it, but I just didn't. Uh, I, my heart kind of fell out. Of it I just didn't really. Um, nobody was laughing. <laughs> Should we say that? You know, it was that kind of way. Was was it? I mean, because because comedy circuit and and what have you seen in Edinburgh and, and the stand of what have you? Um, were you aware of like like Billy Kirkwood doing ICW commentary and stuff like that? Was that? Did you ever cross paths at all and and be able to to discuss wrestling at all? We, ne- we never discussed wrestling. Um, it was actually weird because I'd actually gigged with Billy once. Because so when I'd done the stand, it was always um, they- they're on a right a night called Red Raw, which is like a new act night, and you'd maybe go along and you get like five minutes, um, and then you can then work up to ten minutes and stuff. And um, it was basically for like you know complete beginners, people who'd maybe been doing it, you know, six months, a year, two years, and then you'd get the occasion where you know you get somebody like a Kevin Bridges or someone down- coming down to try out you know material for a tour. Um, and there was a gig I'd done in, in Glasgow stand and Billy was a compare that night. And I'd, I think I'd seen a bit of show of Billy's once before, but I wasn't like aware that, you know, the connection with ICW that he'd done 
And then I think it was only um, after getting to know Billy through ICW. And then I think I put something on my Instagram around the time when, you know, with, with the lockdown and, and the like, uh, pandemic stuff. And it was all to do with like how people were trying to get, you know, that saved and stuff. And I think I shared a picture of me doing, I think I get the stand just saying, you know, it was, some, it was something to do with, with that. And, and Billy commented like, wait, how have I missed this? And then it was like, I done a gig with you once, and then we came. He's like, "Oh, blood, so we did." I and then kind of remembered that. But um, no, we, ne we never really crossed paths in, in regards to wrestling or even chatted with wrestling because it, I, at that time I wasn't fully aware of of the independent scene in in Scotland or or elsewhere. It's one of those. It seems to be like one of those secrets. And as soon as you see one show, this whole world opens up, and you, it's like as soon as you for yourself, mm -hmm. you would have seen like uh, Lionheart and. Jack Jester and what have you in that ICW or that BCW show, and then mm -hmm. next second you you'll be standing in front of them as they're as they're telling you to to do whatever in 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 GPWA, and then yeah. and then you see that you, then you see posters everywhere and your Facebook the algorithm starts picking I uh, know that was it. Uh, another another promotion that's local W again I've mentioned W3L so W3L mm -hmm. mentioned them and it just. It becomes a whole. It's a weird world once you enter mm -hmm. it. Uh, I mean, you've, yeah. you've entered it far further than I have, but it's still a weird world <laughs> nonetheless. So GPWA, yeah. then you did the the eight week induction, and like I say, for those that want to know a little bit more, the Callus took a draw because it's it was really nice uh, companion piece I put with this. Mm -hmm. uh, but that eight weeks um, was it niggling injuries that you got that, that kind of yeah I'd, I'd, that? yeah I had a kind of problem with my. Uh, my knee and my groin and stuff and it was just I didn't feel like I was getting like I, I, it just wasn't a like, I don't think I could do as much as I felt I possibly could do um, and tried just pushing through it um, but it was still the niggle was there and then obviously they've got um, a selection process of who makes it on to the next stage um, and unfortunately I didn't get through to the, the next stage but um, I had the the sole purpose of going back there um, because it was like you know they said that you can reapply and and, and try it again um, and I knew myself it was just in my own things it was just a lot like little niggles and stuff it wasn't making me like you know especially with the knee and the groin that it was like you know try to do proper bumps try to you know get running and stuff it, it was just it was holding me back um, so from there it was um I think that was this. I was. I think it was August. It was an eight-week induction, and it was like August to the end of September. And I remember not getting through. And then there was another January intake, and I think I'd said that I was going to come back to that. But then I decided, like when I heard about Reckless, and that was like a little bit closer to home. So that was when. Um, I went along. I think it was a, a mate of mine that he'd seen a reckless show in, in I think it was Club Man Town Hall or somewhere. And he mentioned, he goes, have you heard of this company, Reckless Intent? And I was like, I've never heard it. Again, you know, I just knew ICW, I knew BCW and didn't really know a lot of the kind of, like you said, the, the vast amount of other indie promotions that there is. Um, and then it was to the tail end. I think it might even been Christmas, sorry, Boxing Day or the 27th or something. And it was like, just, you know, messaged the page, invited me along at the training class, um, went along and again, gassed my experience, what I had, um, the trainers there and uh, obviously explained about the GPWA thing and then went through, you know, 
again more of the basics and then found it more and then just got a good a good feel for it and again you know at the time it was a more a financial thing it was closer it was Livingston so it was closer to me than obviously travelling back and forth to Glasgow um, and then just you know messaged GPWA and said you know I've uh, I found another school that I'm going to give it a go and thank them for you know all their time and whatnot because again I still you know getting to train with the guys like say Lionheart and Jester and, and BT and everyone it was just seeing them on shows and you know doing that and then being training with them it was quite quite different to to do but then when I found Reckless it was just something that I just it was more I felt more comfortable there um, and then yeah started training there. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the because Reckless didn't really. Well, I think they do now, but they didn't really have an induction stage mm. at that point. It was more no. come and if you're good enough, keep coming, and we'll tell you if you're any kind of thing. <laughs> so yeah. It was kind of um, where whereas uh, GPWA, even though you're training with the, I say the elite in Scottish wrestling, these are the mm. um, like the biggest names, or at least those that have got a, a, a good track record, um, plenty of accomplishments, promotions, and. I've trained in places like uh, they've done WWE tryouts and what have you. So mm-hmm. uh, that's your kind of, it's a bit more pressure, I suppose, when, when you're in front of those guys. Whereas Reckless, even though they've got guys like, they would have had Mike, uh, uh, Michael Chase. Michael Chase, Mikey. yeah. Because <laughs> I, I, I remember him as Mikey as well when he started. When I started. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so even though he, he did uh, tryouts with, with WWE mm-hmm. as well, um, it seemed there's a little bit less of a, like, strict structure of you've got eight weeks if you're not good enough then you could try again next time mm. uh, whereas you can kind of come and go with reckless a little bit more but yeah is that i mean a little bit better for you in a way yeah i mean because like the eight weeks is, is the very basics it's just it's you know to, to really find out and let you see what's take what it takes to you know on the very on the basics like i said a bump in you know feeding um you know cardio um it's only that's to really let you see the initial intake of what the absolute basics are. It's when you get past that, that's when you then go more into proper wrestling training. I mean, we the GPWA stuff was a great insight to see exactly how how everything really starts. Like I say, from bumping, from you know running ropes to taking buckles to you know learning how to properly lock up and stuff. But um, you do find, I think there's a lot of people maybe going thinking, oh, I can do this, this is easy, this is, you know, and then you get a very quick shock to the system that it's like, this isn't as easy as you think it would be. Um, so so knowing what to expect and even going into Reckless, there, yeah, there wasn't like a like an, like an eight-week induction thing to do now, but it was very much, right, let's see what you can do. Can you bump? What have you done? Tell us what you've done. Show us what you've done. Um, and then we'll then just work on that and then it was just like then progressing into more you know sequences and and moves and stuff like that as well um very random sidebar when it comes to the wrestling <laughs> but uh because you're 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 a bit older you would have mm. had a million times been told that oh ddp started late uh, Dave <laughs> batista started late uh, yeah. and, and uh, which would have happened quite a lot was there any <laughs> Did you have any thought in your mind that, that of, a, of a wrestling name um, because you would have been had all that years watching it but not actually getting to do it? Did you have a, a idea of a character? Was it The Rock-esque? Did you have a, a <laughs> um, name for yourself? There, there wasn't so much a... Um, not, not like Rock-esque. I didn't want to kind of rip that off. I, I was big into... Um, I still am big into Marvel and stuff. And at the time, um, 
I think that the the Logan movie had came out with Wolverine and everything, and I kind of liked that name Logan, so that it was going to be Logan something. Um, and then when I first started refereeing, um, I had Logan as my name, but then I just kind of thought, no, I need to drop that and, and change it. Um, so it, it was a kind of way where I was trying to like people at Reckless like to kind of have a lot of characters um, and character kind of styles. And I was finding it quite hard to try and find what, what kind of character would I have. Um, you know, everyone wants to be the cool, you know, heel, but not everyone can be the cool heel sort of thing. Or you kind of have a whole show full of cool heels. Um, but when we're talking about, like, you know, using, um, like, using, like, what inspirations you can have, whether it be things like comic book movies, you know, things that might be interested in and, and draw inspiration from that. And um, it was going to be Logan something or something Logan. Um, I think it was, it was Logan. Logan. I think it was, I don't know if it was going to be Logan Quinn. It was going to be Logan something else. And then when I started refereeing, I started as Logan Quinn, but then I just thought, nah, I need to drop that and just be, be myself. I'm glad you said that because I was having like a Mandela effect thing when I was, I was doing your graphic and everything. And I was looking at going, I just look right. I'm sure it wasn't always Chris Quinn, and there was like I think it was Logan something. It was Logan, and as soon yeah. as if anyone was watching the video, we saw me go because that was it. I was like, mm. I knew it was Logan something. <laughs> it was Logan Quinn when you started. Um, thank, thank God that's that settled my brain <laughs> for the day because I spent all day going, is that right? Is it, <laughs> Chris Quinn doesn't look right when I've written it down. It should be something else, but. Good, that's fine. Yeah, big Marvel yeah. fan in this in this house in this uh, in this wee room. Um, mm. Any any particular favorite films? That have, I mean, I don't want to ask uh, ranking because like twenty nine movies and TV shows in the MCU, particularly, and that's not even thinking about Fox mergers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But any particular favorite uh, Marvel characters? Is it is it Wolverine? Uh, Wolverine was a big one, but um, Iron Man was always my my top top favourite um, and obviously all the Avengers stuff and I've been fortunate enough with my wee girl who absolutely loves it um, you know she's she is a wee girly girl um, and I remember the first time where she said to me um, when she was at mine I had I think it was like a, a Thursday night and she said uh, can we watch Avengers Infinity War I was like yes absolutely <laughs> you know um, so we sat and I thought you know is she going to sit through like you know two and a half hour film and she did and loved it and it came to the end and obviously Infinity War ended and it's like uh, you know Endgame's next and she's like can we watch that I was like no it's half nine at night you need to get to your bed can we watch it on Sunday aye okay so we've done it wrong in the sense that like um, watching it with her but we watched Infinity War then Endgame and then we went back and then watched them all you know in order um, but yeah I, I love all, all that kind of stuff with the, the MCU and you know even now like our wee thing that we've got is kind of like superheroes and she's right in the flash and stuff as well on, on the DC side and you know the CW TV series stuff and uh, looking forward to the movies and that coming out next year and just anytime I see anything that's you know Marvel or DC related movies Disney plus series stuff I'm always like you know she's got a phone now so she's I'll text and I'll text a wee screenshot oh this this is coming up soon and that and it's just it's quite cool having that wee thing with her um and I'll be able to share that with her as well uh, if I, again, I don't have, I don't have a little girl. I've got a wife, but she's it's very very similar when when it came to she turned around one day and went, you know what? I kind of fancy watching 
Captain America? And I was like, well, <laughs> Blu-ray, DVD, streaming, what would you like to watch it on? <laughs> I have everything, just you uh, pick. But uh, Disney Plus is the is the best thing uh, when it's come yeah. to that. Uh, it was the, though, sole, the sole reason I got it was when, when I seen, because when I started getting her into it, and we, I think we watched... Um, I think I watched that Avengers one on, on DVD, Infinity War, and I had Endgame as well. And then I think it was that way where you'd always find some on like Netflix or, or Amazon, but you'd never get every single one. There's always, I think, certain ones, I think like Civil War, you could never find or you had to rent it or pay for it. And then when, as soon as I heard Disney Plus was getting launched and it's like, oh, and the whole Marvel is on that, I was like, ah, right, just for that, that's what I'm getting it for um, and, and watched it on that. Uh, except Hulk, but you don't need Hulk. Hulk. Yeah, yeah. Um, my only like disappointment is I'm Spider Man's my my favorite, so yeah, you have to do a little bit more searching. It's on Netflix, and only yeah. some of them are. Um, so I watched this Spider Man today, the first one, Tobey Maguire, mm-hmm. and I was watching it going, we we're spoiled nowadays with CGI and everything because I was watching <laughs> it going, oh, this is a bit rough. Yeah, <laughs> that glider definitely has been put on top of something else because that doesn't look yeah. right at all but uh, yeah no that's uh, uh, yeah marvel films always a good a good topic we can make this a marvel podcast mm-hmm. but we've got other things <laughs> to speak about so we'll we'll move on uh, so so logan quinn started uh wasn't a referee at first though um i've got noted down you, that we went to reckless you're kind of you're doing your training doing odd bits and pieces here crew mm-hmm. and you got a little bit of ring announcing. What was it like getting behind a microphone again, even though it was just ring announcing? It was good. Um, again, uh, from my background with the stand-up, you know, the guys at Reckless um, said to me, like, are you comfortable doing it? I was like, well, yeah, no, I've done plenty, plenty of stand-up and it's, it's, ha- it's hard making people laugh, you know, so it wasn't really that kind of nervous way. It was more just learning, obviously, certain things that you had to say and not try to... I think the first couple of times I've done it off cue cards just so I, did, I got things right, but then you kind of got familiar with guys, you know, entrances, weights, all that kind of stuff, uh, names, nicknames. Um, and it, it was good. It was good just to kind of be on shows. Um, that was the kind of way to kind of be being part of the business, but to try and do something. And again, it was like still building through um, the training where it was like, you know, you would... Yeah, pay and do's essentially you know you, you would do ring crew you do security you would do maybe ring announcing um well all still training just to kind of you know hopefully get an opportunity but i think it was just something that the guys they've seen that had uh obviously the experience of talking in front of a crowd talking on the microphone and and being comfortable with it as well so it was it was, it was good fun and I mean, wrestling crowds are, are a bit more, are a lot more forgiving than comedy crowds. Uh, you can oh, just kind of ask them well. to repeat something, and, and <laughs> the majority of the time, they'll they'll just do it back unless they proper don't like you. <laughs> yeah, it's only when you see the likes of uh, um, someone like Simon Cassidy, who's who's just to me fantastic at doing it. Um, he, he's up there, like you know, when you anything you think of ring announcers, whether it be for for wrestling or boxing stuff, you've got like your your Michael Buffers and Bruce Buffers and you know, Howard Finkels and like Simon Cassie, I think is, is fantastic. And, and Kwaku as well, who we've got at Reckless. Yeah, he's he's brilliant as well. Uh, love working with Kwaku. He's just, he's a guy that, um, you know, so funny, but just so energetic as well. It's just to, to everyone brings something to, to a show and, and guys like that, you know, Simon Kwaku, who can just, 
they're the ring announcers, but they're, they're a massive part of the shows as well, which is just, it's what you need. You need personality. That's what it is. Exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, they're the, the for lack of a better term, they're the compare for the show. They're the ones that are introducing yeah. everyone in. They're getting the mm-hmm. crowd all all hyped up before the wrestlers come out. Um, likes of of like you said, you mentioned Simon and, and Kwaku, um, uh, Stevie Wizard, W3L, and, and also yeah. uh, Martin Clunas up in WrestleZone. They've, they've got a really good way of just getting the crowd hyped. And then even if there's their first show, they don't know any of the wrestlers' names. Uh, mm-hmm. You're ready just to see some action happen and and come yeah. out and and yeah, it's 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 one of the one of those unsung jobs that. It, I mean, for you, you are just comfortable on a mic, and it's it's mm-hmm. you're well up for it. But it's very easy for some a trainee that goes, I just want to wrestle, just to kind of just not do it, just mm-hmm. be like, oh, I'm stuck. I'm just doing this as a job, uh, yeah, to help out. Whereas uh, from what I've understood from again, listen, tuck of the draw, and how we're speaking just now, uh, mm-hmm. if you're given a job, you're doing it to mm-hmm. your highest, best of your ability, because yeah. it's it's an opportunity at the end of the day as well. Um, mm-hmm. So when it came to so at this point you're still training, so still mm-hmm. there was still uh, plans to be Logan Quinn the wrestler, mm-hmm. but uh, it wasn't to be. You end up refereeing, uh, just kind of out of the blue, uh, with with uh, little <laughs> preparation. So again, like I said companion piece, tuck of the draw, but we will speak about the same stuff here because it's all the same subject. Yeah. Um, when you were told that you were going to be refereeing. Initial thoughts, uh, do you think, did you have time to do a little bit of research and, and get some bits and pieces? <laughs> what, what, was the, what was it like? So what, what happened was, um, again, like on Tucker Draw, you can hear more about it, but um, I came to the point with the training where, again, funicular injuries and, you know, we mentioned earlier the whole DDP, Batista type of thing. Um, but... I wasn't in the best of shape. I wasn't really looking after myself. Um, fitness wasn't the best. And I'd done like my, my rotator and it was just like, I couldn't, I couldn't keep up with the guys as such, you know, and I kind of felt I was holding them back. So I kind of made the decision and I spoke to the guys at like Mikey and the guys at Reckless that I, I don't think this is for me in regards to actively pursuing a, a wrestler role because it's just, it just wasn't working and I couldn't, you know, injury after injury after injury and it is a, it is a business where that's going to happen but I just kind of felt this isn't working um, and they were brilliant to me they, they liked my, my attitude my effort my work ethic and they said look you know um, there's always something for somebody in wrestling you know if you want to be part of it you maybe just need to find your opportunity find your your spot as such um, so through, that was I think maybe I want to say Mid, I think it was mid twenty seventeen, maybe the summer twenty seventeen, and um, that's when I made that decision. And then the initial plan was going to be still have the, the Logan Quinn character, but doing it as like a like still doing some ring announcing stuff, but then doing it maybe as like a manager kind of role, so like an on show kind of manager or something like leading a stable or something. Um, and then it came to the. When was it? Twice, uh, twice, seventeen of September, and it was a show. And again, just you know, we're still going along the shows, helping out ring crew. Um, Stevie was was obviously a ring announcer, but whenever he couldn't do, I'd, I'd fill in. Um, you know, working security and just doing wait, waiting for that opportunity to come up, which I thought you know there'll be some kind of storyline or some kind of thing that will happen with this this manager role. Um, and it was a show in September, and. Uh, 
Marson, who is uh, on in Reckless, he goes by Yarek Novak. He's um, he was referee, so he was refereeing a lot of the Reckless shows, and it was literally maybe so. I was there, done done ring crew, um, and I think you know your usual your black trousers, your black shirt, running security, and it was literally about maybe I don't know twenty minutes before first bell. And 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 Marston was ill and he was like thrown up and he just couldn't go out. And and the guy said to me, um, listen, uh, we need a referee. Can you referee? So instantly I was like uh panicked, you know. I was like, oh, you know, like, oh my god, right, okay, wait, wait, right. So took me took me aside and says, Look, you know, you've watched wrestling all your life, you know it, just go out and have fun. Um, so there was literally no preparation. It was literally there's a referee shirt. Um had my black trousers and trainers on and go out and, and, and referee this show. And uh that's what the, the one thing they said to me in the very beginning was like go and just you can count to three, you know, go and have fun, go and enjoy it. Um and the nerves and anxiety was like through the roof, just absolutely panicking about, you know, and especially as well because um and a wee kind of sidebar is like so the main event of that show was was Grado and I think it was Divers. I think it was Grado and Divers. And um, again, I'd seen Grado at ICW, one of the first shows that um, I'd went to at the garage. And uh, this was around the time of, you know, when I first seen him, he was really starting to kind of get, get um, like, massive, you know, attention. And by this point, like, you know, you put Grado on the card and, you know, sell out show. So I was absolutely panicking, thinking, right, I knew he was on the show. And it's like, you know, it's cool to be on a show where Grado's on, but then to then be thrust into it, it's like, right, well, you're now going to be in the ring refereeing his match. And uh, I remember coming through, it was in the first half of the show, the interval, and I came through the curtain and they said to me, you know, good job, you're done, done well, um, just keep it going. So, and even this day, I still do a thing, but I'll, I'll go and speak to the guys before matches and just find out, you know, if, there's, if they need anything, if there's any, like, you know, Spots with the referee or anything. Um, so I went over to Grado and just said to him, you know, um, it's my first time ever refereeing tonight. Do you need anything? He's like, no, no, we basic. This is the finish, blah, blah, blah. And that was fine. Um, went out, done the match. Uh, it was fine. Came back through, got a great reception. And uh, <laughs> I remember like Grado was maybe sitting, I don't know, maybe 10 yards, 20 yards away. And it was like, I thought everything went fine. And uh, he, he looked away and went, ref, come here. And I'm like, oh no, what have I done? What have I done if I screwed this up? And uh, I went over and he just said to me, he went, is, is that the first time you've, you said it was the first time refereeing? I was like, yeah. He said, brilliant, well done, done a really good job. And I was like, oh, thanks very much. And, you know, coming for somebody like him, that was like, that was huge. And then that's what they said to me at Reckless. He goes, uh, I, th- I think we've actually found, you've, I think we've found your position in the wrestling business. And I, I, on it. Yeah, I, I love hearing Grado stories because Grado seems to be the guy, even though he's awful at replying to emails. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, he comes across as a guy, no ego. He's the, one of the biggest wrestlers in Scotland, mm-hmm. easily. Uh, he's been in TNA and or Impact and and what have you. And yeah, you always hear you hear stories like that where he's just mm-hmm. the most soundest of guys. In he the is. World. He's he's absolutely brilliant. Um, and it's the fact is where. Um, the more I got to work with him and he was just always very complimentary um, about my work and just saying things like, you know, you're a really good ref. But to hear that on the first night where he obviously knew 
you know, I mean, that could have been anything. You know, didn't, he didn't have to say that. You know, it's like, you know, I was just a guy on a show refereeing, but the fact is, like, he actually took the time to say to me, um, you know, that was your first night, you've done well, done a good job. And that, like, comfort, like I say, someone someone like him to, you know, his stature and his level he's at, you know, was 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 huge. So it was really, um, it was cool to hear that for, for him. Right, we'll, we'll, we'll stop at the refereeing bit. I'm going back to the manager a bit because I'm all curious about <laughs> that. So around about the time you were you're in, pro, I think it was be Darren T. Goss would have been uh, doing his Goss dynasty uh, yeah. stuff around about then. So, um, but even then, that would probably would have been the only manager, maybe a couple other like mm-hmm. uh, sidekicks or what have you. Um, was there any? Did you get any pitches, or did were you pitching to manage anyone in particular? Uh, it was it was it was something that there was there was things nothing was ever pitched um and like that opportunity never ever came it was just something that was mentioned that you know we could maybe do this for you or you know we could maybe look at see if something happens um and obviously at the time I think I was I was doing security and that's when the whole cost dynasty was was in effect um and again there was just there was never anything that um I was I was just waiting really for them to say right you know we're, we're going to maybe put these guys together and maybe put you with them or we'll um I think I'd, I'd mentioned a couple of times where um I think it was even something like like obviously Goss had the Goss dynasty and that was the kind of the main heel faction in, in the company um so that in a sense that role was kind of taken um but again there was I had just kind of ideas of thinking, right, could I be... I was, I was watching a lot of stuff, watching a lot of managers, like, say, um, like Bobby Heenan and, and Paul Heyman and guys like that. But again, it's very hard for me to see. Like, you don't really get a lot of face managers now that I can even think, even like in a lot of indie stuff. A lot of it seems to be that the manager or a valet is always like in the heel work. But no, there was never anything that was ever pitched. And it was just, I think, like waiting for an opportunity or waiting to see what could we do if something were to come up but no it never ever materialised anything um, so back to the referee and then uh, of course Lewis Young he did send a question saying how did you get into refereeing we're on that subject now so that's yeah. great it's handy uh, so, so yeah after so night one you've refereed mm-hmm. main event with Grado you know no pressure and you've got a, a good a good bit of feedback Um mm-hmm. What was your what was your next step then? Was it was it going home and just going right? I need to find classic matches and watch what the referee's doing. Um, did you get your rock collection out? Your your Hulk Hogan collection out? <laughs> and it was just going right. I need to watch Earl Hebner. I need to watch Mick Keown. Yeah, was that was did that your plan from that point forward? <laughs> it was pretty much where it was like um, getting to do that on the show and then having the guy say to me, you know, I think we found your place in the wrestling business. And then it was like knowing, right, well, this is, I'm, I'm going to, like you said, I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to, this is what I want to do. And I had fun. That was the main thing. Like when I was doing it on the show, nerves aside, was having fun. Um, so then, yeah, it was a sort of thing where I would go and, I mean, I was still, I was still even, I don't, I don't watch a lot now. I catch up on WWE stuff now. Um, back then I was still watching, you know, Raw and SmackDown and, and things, but after that, I kind of then started then paying attention to the referees. So I'd watch, you know, their movement, their communication, their ring positioning, um, and just try to pick up any wee, wee tips that I could then, you know, put into play for myself. Um, and then I think no long after that was so it was what with with reckless, and then um, 
I can't remember. I think it was um, with Scott Rennick's tribute show. I think that was in the you know, October or November. Um, and I remember I think it was Brian Brian Lang was on that. He he done that show, and again I'd only been doing it. You know, I think I'd, I think I'd done the October show. Then it was Scott. So I'd literally done two shows as a ref, and then spoke with Brian, um, and he gave me a couple of bits, you know, tips and stuff. Um, but it wasn't until I think towards the January when I then got to Discovery. Uh, that's when I started working with like say uh, Thomas Cairns and John McGawkin and really just picking their brains for a lot of advice, feedback and, and stuff. But then also um, still attending training, but then it was like, I, w- I would still do the, you know, the cardio drills and the, the fitness stuff and ring awareness stuff. But then when it came to us doing, you know, match practice, well, we've now got a referee that can practice as well as such. So we're still, still doing that um, right through and still do even now. It was, it was a fairly brave choice to go to referee when you've noted when you've noted that you had uh, knee injuries and uh, rotator cuff injuries, <laughs> which is two of the more important things you require for your limbs when it comes to refereeing. Uh, I did hear on on, on uh, the tug of the draw that knee pads was was uh, one of, oh, one yeah. of the first bits that you realised you needed following well, that, uh, your debut. That, that was the thing because um, because I made the decision where I was no longer gonna. Wrestle and again, like you know, was never at a level. You know, they always say that old old saying where you know you go to shows, always take your gear with you. You never know. But when I'd came to that point where I was, I didn't have gear. I had like you know a pair of knee pads and a pair of boots. That was it. Um, so I was never ever the type because I was a trainee. You know, I was never taking gear to to shows and stuff. Um, and then literally getting thrust into it. It was a case of I'm in my black kind of trousers and trainers. I've been handed a referee shirt. And then when that first time going down for a count, you know, hard down on the knees, it was just like, oh my God, it was, <laughs> you know, felt it the next day. Um, and then it was like, yeah, invest a good pair of knee pads because you'll need them. Um, and even perfecting that referee slide thing, you're still coming down on a knee as such. But yeah, the knee pads. And again, it's just one of these kind of tricks that nobody knows, like the referees wear knee pads. So... I know. I, I was surprised. I only learned that during my chat with with Dennis uh, from the uh, wrestling referee. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, oh, oh, I didn't know that. Even though I've seen a ring getting built, and I'm looking at it going, I'm not going to slam my knees down on that any, any more than I have to if I was <laughs> in that. Even though it, 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 there's a little bit of a cushion, but it's only about like that. Yeah. And then it's wood. <laughs> and then beams. Yeah. And then, so, beams, yeah. Uh, and then, then uh, slam your hand on it for, and it's loud, even though it does. You get the wee sound because of the little space, but oh no, it's 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 mm. a bit more hard work than than people may think being a referee. Uh, just with the, the body, yeah, that's what people think. It's like you know, like I remember um, Stephen who done the, the Tucker Draw podcast. He said your your hand and arm must be killing you after a show, um, and you, you kind of get used to it. I mean, there is times where like you can, like anything, you you, you hit it the wrong way and you might feel your wrist kind of go away, but you're like, oh, but again, it's you know, practice and. You do, you do get used to. It. You, you learn your own wee techniques, know how to do certain ways. I mean, some some guys do the big over the arm swing count. Some guys are more slamming. Uh, some people are more up and down. It's just you find your own way. Um, as long as you're making it, you know, big enough to for everyone to kind of see and hear as well. Um, some I've seen some guys who who don't even count. They'll, they'll like I, I verbally count when I, I'll, I'll shout out the numbers, but 
Um, some referees I've seen um, on, I can't remember what it was, I remember seeing I think something, an indie something, um, but they, they were just hitting the mat. And again, I used to always think that when you go down, sometimes that can make that bump and that could maybe confuse somebody's like, has that been a one? And then is that one, you know? So yeah, just you learn your own your own tricks and your own wee, wee things to do. So I'm just going to get into Dennis's questions and then we'll, we'll kind of dip in and out of them because there's ones <laughs> that, that I want to get to. But the first one uh, is pretty much how we're getting what we've been discussing already. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the one bit of advice about refereeing that you've been given that has stuck with you? Other than get knee pads. Other than get knee pads. Um, probably, so when I first obviously started um, and oh, i trying to think. Um, knowing, knowing when I first started and obviously, you know, working with a lot of guys who've been doing it a long time, um, I never wanted to try and be someone who thinks he knows everything. Um, so, um, I would always take it upon myself to, to speak to all the guys beforehand and like I say just you know always being that way you know showing respect and, and you know introduce yourself everyone shake hands and stuff um, but in, in matches it was just you know I, was, I think I was just kind of like going along with things in that way so I think one of the best bits of advice I'd got was to kind of um, be more authoritative in the ring actually show that the referee is a presence but um, one of the best compliments I got was I was told that um, you know when I'm there, but it's like I'm invisible, and that's what you want from a ref. But to also be more authoritative um, and not move about as much—that was one thing I was told very early on. Um, not not to move about, and again, when when the camera or the crowd are focused on something, if you've got a referee that's constantly you know moving about, oh, you got to get out of the way of things and try and stay in position for certain spots and certain moves and that, but trying not to move as much um, and just really keep an eye on the action and not not try to take the attention of the either the anyone watching on camera or the crowd itself to be on you because because the action's all about the, the guys in the ring. So I'd say the best ones that's really stuck with me is just, you know, and it, even guys now I tell, um, like at Reckless who are training at ref like just to try and not move about as much because sometimes with the rings as well they can rattle and if there's too many footsteps it can it can for, for crowds as well it can it can catch attention and that's the last thing you want because it's taken away from what's actually meant to be going on which is the guys in the ring uh, and of course we're working uh, with cameras as well you kind of try to be mindful of not moving mm-hmm. because for the same reason not just for a crowd watching and listening and hearing all the creaks and that but those watching mm-hmm. I was, I was, listen, when, when I was listening to that was, you said you've got you've got three sides of the ring that's your that's yeah. your sides that you have to work from yeah. and the fourth one is is the is the front of the stage so you I, 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 that was that was another good one which um, working toward the hard cam when I first started obviously refereeing records we didn't use um, a camera and then we did well, I think they didn't use a hard cam they used cameras and, and guys going about handheld but they didn't use a hard cam so I was literally going round that ring you know just try to stay out the way try to be in position and stuff and then when I first got to Discovery um, and that was one of the biggest mistakes I made refereeing was um, cutting across that hard cam all the time and it was just like when I watched it back, I was like, "Oh God, I can see it now." And that's what they said: try, try not to go in front of the hard cam. And I'm like, "Where's the hard cam?" All right, okay. And then, then learning, you know, about about your three sides. And 
the general rule of thumb is kind of like if, if the hard cam is like on crowd side and it's you know you, you'd have your back say to the, the staging your, your area is just like back to the stage and those three sides and never really kind of cross there will be obviously the occasion where depending on the positioning for pins and, and certain things you have to go in a bit but again general rule is to kind of stay in that that area See that you've picked up these. I mean, the next one from Dennis was biggest mistake you've done while refereeing, which is you've you've kind of covered that. Was there any other any other moments that you've you've fast counted by mistake? You've you've or the person hasn't kicked out and you've just had to go by. Well, I count three. No. If you don't kick out, then that's not my issue from that point. It's <laughs> it's a it's a weird one because it's like you're you're always kind of taught to call it as you see it, and it is as much as like you kind of know like what the finish is going to be and. You know, how you're going to get to that. I've, I've been quite fortunate that that's never really happened. Um, again, the certain, the certain wee things where I think it was a discovery show where somebody got a kind of bloody nose and I just kind of like got on with it. And I was told after, like, you should have kind of just checked he was okay. And again, um, you learn through experience and you learn as you go on more and more what, you know, certain wee instances. Um, like things because obviously if something was to happen to somebody in the ring well you're, you're the closest one there so you've got to kind of be you know alert on, on, on the ball so to speak as as, as with anything that could potentially happen in the ring so um, no there's there's never ever been not I can remember anyway um, but I think no there's, no there's never been the occasion where um, there's been like a fast like a, a three that's not meant to be but again it is that kind of rule we're kind of taught that if if that wrestler doesn't kick out, well, that's on them. You know, we, we're told to call it as you see it because I think it would look, and I've discussed this with Sean McLaughlin, that if if a referee was to hit, so, so if I knew the finish was not going to be a certain way and that guy's not kicking out and I've hit one, two, why am I stopping if he's not kicking mm-hmm. out? And it just makes it look stupid. So the ominous really is on the guys to kick out. And again, that's one of the, like another, bit of advice is always try and be present at the shoulders because when you've got those like you know two and three quarter kickouts where the guys might be watching for you just about to hit and then kick out the last second but if it is if they're down you have to call it as you see it um and it's always been a strange one where i've always just kind of thought you know please kick out i know you've got to kick out so please just do it i, I didn't want to have to hit this and then think oh i screwed the match up but again it's like well normally this is on you to kick out so just call it as you see it. Yeah, it's, it's either it's either uh, I somewhat it's either the match looks right but the finish is wrong, or you hesitate in that last count and then the match looks wrong. So yeah. out of the two, out of the two, you'd rather have the match look right and then the finish can mm-hmm. that can be fixed later with another yeah. match or and something else. Um, but yeah, as long as the match looks okay, then that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any when you go back now watching wrestling now that you've of course been a referee and and what have you? Is there any matches like we see guest referees and that? The one that comes to mind is Mick Foley WrestleMania 17, where you can watch back mm. and, and now you're watching the referee and going, oh, no, you should, because Mick had a very good uh, way of cutting across that hard cam and, of course, blocking <laughs> the big coast-to-coast at the end of the match. So is, yeah. <laughs> is there any matches that you go back and, and now you've got a little bit more of a like a referee critical brain watching them more than the actual match itself? I think I'm more drawn to watching the refs just to kind of even see what they're doing um, I do watch a lot of, like, I kind of pick up on certain things and you'll see like some guys that want 
you know, to be about them, and that's not what it should be. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of keeping up to date with WWE, um, but I, I couldn't tell you the last time I watched a full Raw or SmackDown. I kind of almost catch up with it on like Facebook or YouTube or stuff like that. Um, I'm loving the, the Roman Reigns stuff, um, but watching full episodes, I don't. AEW, I do watch a lot of that because I really like their product, um, and obviously seeing their referees. There's, there's one referee. Uh, bald headed guy, I can't remember his name, um, but he's very animated yeah. when he does his um, when it's a double down and he does his counts and he's he's just he's very animated when he's he's doing certain things. Um, but again, it's, it's it's unique. It's you know his own thing. Um, and again, just looking at certain like weances that are just you know things that I can kind of pick up and more when you get into knowing how to, how to work it and how. What, what like a referee's job is, you start to see it more. So, like I'll I'll notice wee things like where, um, especially after like say there's a big spot and there's a kind of um things that referees will do to check on the guys and make sure and you can just you see you see them doing it. You're more aware of it because you're in the know rather than like it's quite subtly done if you don't know. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, yeah. Dennis had a, had a wee gripe about that guy as well, because um, there was he was a bit lax with rules that wasn't established, and it was a bit weird. Uh, but I was thinking of, of bald head referees that made everything about themselves. I just thought of Slick Johnson from TNA, who would be the only referee in shorts. Yeah, he'd have like these, uh, like almost uh, what are they called? They're not uh, known like the nineties uh, footballers would have these really short shorts. That kind of oh, thing. the biker ones, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, they were they were not nice. Uh, it was it wasn't mm. a sight it, to, that you wanted to see often. But yeah, there has been times where referees, uh, yeah, just try and make it a little bit more about them themselves mm-hmm. as a character. Um, I mean, for the McFoley thing, I suppose if if he was a perfect referee, then what's the point of you guys if a wrestler can do it? You know, yeah. so even though it was. I mean, even me as a non-referee, referee looking at it going, "Oh, Mick, move, move <laughs> that way." Um, yeah, it it made sense uh, a little bit, uh, I suppose, in the whole story thing. I, I, hopefully, that's how he kind of rationalised it when he was starting about uh, right yeah. without the camera. <laughs> um, so, we've got another one from from Dennis. Of course, the last one. When it comes to rules, if you could change or get rid of one rule, what would it be and why? That's a good question. Um... If I could change one or get rid of one, um, I just don't know. That's that's a good. That's a really good question. I would say. Um, I mean, it's it's interesting, obviously, doing you know traditional wrestling matches that we'll do, like at Discovery or, or Reckless, um, with things like DQs and pin and, and countouts, and then you know going to work at ICW where they don't have uh, DQs and, and countouts and stuff. Um, so it's if I had to kind of pick, I would say because obviously DQs matter, but I would say countouts. I don't really see like I think if they go if they abolish countouts, I don't think it would make an impact. Like, I don't think it would make any difference if if they got rid of a countout because you know guy can go out and brawl and brawl around the barriers and crowds and stuff. Um, would you throw it more as Japan? It's a twenty count instead, which gives you a little bit more of. It can be there, but it gives you a bit more Again, leeway to slow it, get, it down. It, it slows it down, but then at the same time, I, I just think 
like I don't know. It's it's even even as a fan watching wrestling, I've never ever thought there's been any purpose to account out. I don't know why. I just I think, you know, again you're kind of taught that like sometimes you you if you know the match maybe spills out in the crowd or will go elsewhere. Like the ref, you see a lot of referees go with them, so like they're not even counting. So I think it's one of these ones that. If it was to go, it wouldn't be lost. Um, and to stand in the ring and, and do a 20 count, I think would be, yeah, I wouldn't like that. <laughs> I don't think I would like that. Um, it's bad enough for a 10. But, um, and then you get the ones where the guys will do that roll in, roll out thing to, to break it. And it just like, I, I've, I've seen myself yeah, on, on you know shows back and that where someone will do it. And I'm just like, oh, and it's like, I know I've got to start that again. And then you'll get guys who'll do it deliberately to kind of mess with you. So, um, yeah, I think if, if there was one that I could get rid of, I would say get rid of the countouts because I don't really see what the purpose would be. I, I, like, I get there as a point to it, but then I don't think it'd be a loss if it was to go. Uh, how 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 much do you enjoy when the crowd counts one number ahead of you when you're doing when you're doing countouts? I hate it. I hate <laughs> it because because I, I, get, I get lost sometimes, and it's like it'll be that way where I'm, I'm you're trying to do it to a time, you're trying to time it properly and not be too fast and then when they start doing when they start doing that and then i'm thinking oh, i'm at seven or i'm at six what what happened there and then yeah i hate it. i don't like it and i just i know no i don't have a problem with it actually because if i say i don't like it they're gonna start doing it so yeah i'm not, I'm not it's fine it's all right honest <laughs> so so yeah, anyone listening do not count one number ahead please don't don't, count, don't count. it messes with me and i don't like it and you'll see me doing it so don't yeah <laughs> Um, so you'd bit, your in-ring career wasn't over, though. Uh, you're, you're doing all the refereeing at Reckless, ICW, Disco, and, of course, Rock and Wrestle, Ryback. Uh, mm-hmm. You made a couple of appearances in the Reckless Rumble as well. So when you were three. approached... Uh, what was it, three now? I think it's uh, three. Uh, three, I've done three, yeah. Uh, sure. uh, that's because that's, that's when I was listening to Stephen's one, it was uh, 2019, so you must have appeared in uh, 2020 as well. That was it. Uh, or aye, before the world ended, who knows? I can't remember. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So is is that is that enough for you? Is that your little taste of in ring stuff to to get keep you <laughs> to keep that dream a little bit alive and just? But that's enough. Um, your rumble appearances. It's it's fun. Um, the first time I done it was it was more a an award from the guys at Reckless to say you know you've you've done really well, um, and we're going to reward you for going out going into the rumble and again like you say having that week in a moment but oh, I was I was nervous going into that but it was it was fun. The second one I done we had like a funny wee spot with myself and, and Sean McLaughlin where it was a we, we built it as like a rock uh, Hogan standoff where um we backed into each other and they kind of slow turn round and then kind of are they gonna go are they gonna go and then the the bloody nine nine chucked us out. Which yeah, um, and then the last one I done where I think it was another referee we had on the show, and I got stunned him in the in the ring, um, and then threw him out and had a bit. But it's you know, yeah, it is enough. But um, never say never, never never say never. I mean, Sean wrestled a match in, in Discovery. <laughs> yeah, it's something that has been spoken about that um, would would a would I be interested in doing that or would that be something that I would do? Um, and like seeing what Sean done was was really cool. And I think there is that, I mean, I'm going to be 40 next month. So 
you know, hopefully next year, maybe, whether it be reckless. I've, I've spoke with Alan at Discovery and said, you know, it was a cool thing with Sean. And if it was something, if it was the right kind of maybe programme or, you know, we could work some kind of angle or, or something, I'd, uh, I'd be up for that. I've, I've got myself in a lot better shape um, fitness-wise as well. And, uh, yeah, I think um, maybe just to have that kind of, moment like in a tag match or a six man or something would be would be quite smart and quite cool to do so um i'll, I'll float an idea by you then uh give so it's a year build up <laughs> uh yourself and sean zombie lumberjack match and uh for the following year then you could be the zombie referee or sean could be the zombie referee you know that's just could work could work <laughs> yeah <laughs> so there's a zombie referee recently on nxt which is weird but they, they explained it see that. he was canadian yeah. <laughs> I didn't understand, but I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go with it. I'll just run with that. That's fine. But no, there, there you go, Alan. If you're listening to this or, or watching this, there you go. Zombie, zombie Lumberjack match next year. Sean McLaughlin versus uh, Chris Quinn. <laughs> oh, that was it. Twitter light. That happens. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll be the first one to go. That was my idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, credit, I'll credit you for it. I'll credit you for it. Um, there's one last question that we've got here, and then I've got some little bits and pieces. But uh, Louch, uh, Stephen Louch, of course, who we've mentioned many a times, he doesn't do Tuck of the Draw anymore, but it's still a very good bit of, of material to go back and get uh, information from, which is what I did here. Um, if you could only keep one hashtag for your post, which one would it be? <laughs> yeah, I like a hashtag on a post. Uh, if I could only keep one, uh, I mean, I have I've got quite a lot. Um, a, you know, like I said, a lot of the things I do put up, I, I, I take a lot of inspiration for guys like The Rock and, and DDP. Um, I'm very much about, you know, positivity and, you know, putting out a positive message. Um, so that... Oh, he's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like Lodge. I always get a good bit of back and forth with him. Um, if I had to keep... Well, I mean, you, you, you did. You, you were part of the most controversial ma- controversial match in Reckless 10 history, so uh, he's he's always going to have a bit of a... Bit of a oh, yeah. Well, this, is, uh, this is the one, because it was... Uh, do you know, that was actually my second show in Club Man in Town Hall, and, yeah, apparently it was my fault that DCT lost his UK title because I was the referee and I didn't see something, and Louch never forgave me for that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, chase, chase greatness. That's that's the one I'll keep because you just always strive to be the best you can. Excellent. Have you got a bottle of Terramana? Just out of curiosity. Do I have a bottle? Yeah. I've got that much left in, in a bottle, and I think it's my second or third bottle. Um, it's my fortieth birthday in, in about four or five weeks' time, so I'm I'm kind of hoping that someone gets me one, the girlfriend or or my mum and dad or someone but uh, I've dropped enough hints anyway um, but it's, uh, it's it's good stuff I do like it Always and not that. just not just because it's the rocks one I, I got ripped from my brother about that he said you know would would you still like that if it wasn't the rocks and it is actually like a very nice smooth smooth uh, tequila that's good that's what I was going to ask because I, I me and tequila do not have a good relationship um, if I if I have maybe two or three I am dead that's, yeah. that's pretty much it. So I'm always curious. I've always wanted to get a bottle for that exact reason because it's the rocks. So I want to get one and put on my put on my wife's uh, little dolly thing that she has with all the other alcohol. 
uh, with my, my crystal my crystal head vodka and stuff like that. Yeah. More, I'm more vodka kind of guy. It's, um, well, but, the best the best way to describe it is like I mean I was I was like yourself. I, I was never really a big tequila fan through many <clears throat> bad times with tequila. We'll, we'll just leave it at that. I won't go into detail. Um, but it's like if if you liken it to say like um, like a vodka, you know, if 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 you drink a standard like Grant's vodka, Smirnoff vodka, you know, as your regular, and it's okay. But then if you then you know get yourself like a bottle of Grey Goose, which is more expensive, a finer, you know, quality vodka, you can see the difference in them, and that's the that's the best way I can describe it because I can drink tequila, but not like I'm not really into the kind of the, the you know the salt and the lime and the slamming and stuff like that. I can do shots of it, but like I like the sipping one and, and the Terramana is a, a sipping smooth tequila and it's a lot nicer to kind of just you know drink over ice or drink straight, but not necessarily for shots, if you know what I mean. This is the Terramana ad that I'm gonna try and clip and, and see if the rock will retweet it. He does like <laughs> retweet ads. So oh, I'll, I'll be uh, <laughs> we'll try and get that done uh, but no in the case of buying stuff because of, of who, who owns it I think that's why we have a bottle of aviation gin uh, yeah although I had it and it's one of the few times I've liked gin so there you go Ryan Reynolds there, there, there's one for you as well uh, <laughs> there's one for him yeah <laughs> who else we've got uh, uh, was it Los Hombres the Breaking Bad one there you go advertise all the celebrity uh, there's, there's a lot of them so we've got a couple of questions that we, we like to ask people and then we'll go back to the, the wrestling for a little bit. Um, we ask everyone, what's your favourite dinosaur? Oh, Initially I was going to say T-Rex, but I do love the raptors. I, I love I love the raptors. Um, big Jurassic Park fan. Um, I remember going to see that when I was, God, about 11, 12 years old. 1993, I remember going to see that. That's how old that is. Um I couldn't believe it was a it was a PG going to the cinema. I went to the cinema to see it with mum and dad, and I could not believe it was a PG. But uh, in that, I would say T Rex was always my favourite. But then, as Jurassic World and that came out, we, we blew the, the Raptor. I, I like the Raptors. Fair enough. I recently put out a list of my top one hundred dinosaurs. It was very controversial. <laughs> so I had Charizard in the top ten, but it was a whole thing. Uh, nobody really picked up. But number ninety seven was Internet Explorer. And everyone, and nobody picked, that, that was the one everyone accepted, but not Charizard being in <laughs> top 10. Um, yeah, that's, like, that's a fine choice. It's a classic. And our question we ask everyone is, what would win in a fight, two sheep or one cow? Um, two sheep, 100%. Um, I've never seen an angry, well, is that a cow or a bull? Oh, Right. That, this is the question. It's two sheep versus one cow. If you want to add any caveats, or any additional rules, if it's a Highland cow, if it's a, if it's two, I know steroid up, uh, steroid induced sheep. I don't mind. You just you use your imagination. Go wild. I, I would say. I mean, I've never seen an angry cow apart from my ex-wife. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but I have seen like when I've done like my hill walks and stuff that you do see sheep that you know they, they look as if. You know, are you going to try and steal their, their lambs and that? And they, they can be quite, you know, aggressive looking. So I would I would have to say two sheep every time. I, I love this question. The more I ask it, the, the more people put thought into it, which uh, it's, it's when, you, when you put the question on the surface, it's a stupid question. <laughs> but it's one because I've, I've spoken to everyone for like an hour and they're like, oh, I'm really into speaking. Oh, two sheep, one cow. Yeah, I'll, I'll just think about this really hard um back to the wrestling though i think that's that's the that's that silly shenanigan stupid question by the way. 
Um, of matches that you've you've had then, so of course you've refereed Ryback, uh, which I'm sure was an experience up in Inverness. Uh, would have been would have been the last Rock and Wrestle show I think it was before SWA took it over. Because yeah, it would have been yeah. I missed. It, it, I, I missed it, and because I'm in Elgin, so I'm only like an hour away from Inverness, so I, it should have mm-hmm. been one I could have got to, but didn't. Even though it's it's Ryback. Um, so mm-hmm. you, you've refereed that. You've refereed matches of Bram, uh, Sugar Dunkerton. What's been who's been your particular favourite to referee? Whether it's a big name or an imported name, or just a, a regular, regular Joe in in uh, Scottish wrestling or UK wrestling. Um, you know there, there's so many, and it's actually really nice now where there's so many guys that I've I've even now formed friendships with working with. Um, I'd say. You know, some of my favourites to work with, like like divers, is is one of my my highlights, and he's a, he's a good mate as well. But they just they have this wee thing about trying to break me in the ring by by you know whispering still game quotes in my ear and stuff like that, and trying to make me laugh. Um, guys, I mean uh, Andy Wild, I love working with um, DCT. Like, I mean, there's there's so many. Um, BT gone. I've worked on a number of times, and you know, I, again getting to, you know, work with guys like that on the regular ICW, and then when they come and do Discovery Reckless and, and other places, um, I I'd, I'd say getting to go and do Discovery, and then then getting to do ICW was just you know getting to work with so much more names that I'd be watching as a fan because even before I was doing. Like ICW, I would, I'd be still going to ICW shows um, because deep down, I think everyone, we are all fans at the end of the day. Um, so getting to work with some of these guys that you know are entertaining, it's, it's just that's a privilege. It is. And there's nobody that I could say, you know, I don't like working with. Um, but I've just been fortunate enough to work with some really, really top, top guys and, and guys who've went on to like WWE. And, and doing stuff. Joe Coffey was always a great one to work with at uh, Discovery. Um, loved working with him. Um, and again, some of the, the one of my best standout matches, I think, was was Joe and Andy Wild. Um, and it was just it was just hard hitting back and forth. Um, and I think it might have been that one where I can remember there was the end of it when I was just abs- I was knackered. So I don't know how they felt, but I was absolutely burst because it was just it was back and forth. And, Hard hitting drama, everything just it was one of those ones that came at the end, of it and I was just like, I think even when I hit the three count, I was there on my knees and I was like, oh, Thank god that's over because it was, but it was again an absolute joy to call. Um, you mentioned a lot of those names there, of course, you, you refereed for ICW during the uh, the no crowd mm-hmm. era, uh, which which was uh, but what. I, just about a year of, of matches going out, shows going out with no crowds. What was it like? I mean, for you, I suppose it'd be a little bit different because you're there to call the match itself. You're not so much there for the crowd mm-hmm. maybe in tune with. But what was it like uh, refereeing in front of nobody? Was it like going back to the training days? It was It was strange because um, obviously my goal initially like, like was to get to ICW and then I got, I got a a spot at the fight club in the November 2019 and, and I always remember this where it was um, I was nervous as hell and again you know kind of the the ICW crowd you know can be 
uh, more vocal, but you know they're, they're absolutely brilliant and, and they are they're electric as well. Um, and I always remember like going out. I was nervous going out that show, and just right before I went out, it was it was Mark Dallas just basically put his hand on my shoulder and said, "Go and enjoy yourself. Welcome to ICW." And it was like it meant a lot. And then literally got fear and loathing the following week. And then it was always just that way where I was gonna, you know, fill in if any of the two guys there, like Sean or Thomas, couldn't do it. Um, and then when we done, I got called for it was the Bard show, which was the other ones in the steel cage, which we filmed last. I think it was December, um, and it was just it was just weird um, wearing a mask in the ring. I did not like, although it had some uses um, when. You know, if, if something made me laugh, you couldn't see. Um, but the no crowd, it was just, it was just eerily silent. And again, like a lot of the reactions and, and the energy you feed off for the crowd. Um, and even even as a referee, it's just, you do, you look for all those kind of wee moments where, you know, it could be a near fall, it could be stuff going on. Um, and it was just, just oddly silent. Um, and you could hear, Every every step, every bump, everything, and just die. Strange. It was so glad to welcome back crowds. It, well, I mean, it was it was different and it was fun in the sense of getting to do more ICW work. Um, obviously behind the closed door tapings and stuff, but um, just very almost very studio like in a way, rather than like a like a live show. Uh, but again, um, grateful for the opportunity and and just to get to get back in because I mean I. I hadn't refereed for, I think when I done, that was 2019, and when I done ICW, and then I done Fear and Loathe and literally the next week where um, like Dallas gave me the book in there, which I was uh, not expected. Um, and then I hurt my back badly, um, slipped two discs in my back, and then I was out for about over Christmas and New Year, um, till about, I think it was like the late January, February time, it was a good three, four, three months or so, and I came back, and I think I'd done, I think it was a Discovery show, and then a Reckless, and then the pandemic hit, so I'd literally, I'd missed um, the end of year Discovery show in the December, and then I'd missed a couple of Reckless shows, and then I'd missed something else, came back, done literally two shows, piled on the weight, um, wasn't even feeling the good about myself and then the pandemic hit and it all stopped so then it was literally from I think the January right through to the December I hadn't refereed at all whereas I know some shows were still going on up until like March time um, but that's when we started getting things cancelled so then getting back in the ring and it's like can I remember how to do this properly you know and then there's no so in one hand there was no nervousness of it like you know messing up in front of a crowd but at the same time it was like you know this this stuff's getting recorded for for WWE network you know so you, you can't muck up and then like they say just like riding a bike you know once you get back in start to do it and get back on it and it was it was fine um but definitely a strange strange feeling no crowd but then you know couldn't wait for them to come back when you when you found out that you were going to be on the WWE network or when you're getting nice to be booking and think at that point they were already on the network how many people have you have you sent links to and, and shown screenshots of you on the WWE network so this is the same <laughs> network as The Rock <laughs> as Hulk Hogan uh you, you you can I mean I don't think you can search for referees names but you're still there 
you're still uh, <laughs> on the same network as all them. So yeah, how many people did you tell was just shouting from the rooftops? <laughs> it was it was a cool thing because it was like um, again, you know, friends growing up, two of my closest mates who were, were all you know wrestling fans, and it's that way where certain certain friends you maybe meet, but a couple of good mates, um, one who uh, I met through a work and. It's one of those weird moments, and you've probably done it yourself, where like you maybe say something or you'll something will get said, and it might be wrestling related, and then someone else just kind of goes, and it's like, oh, wrestling friend, you know, it's like the record is like, do you know, do you watch wrestling? Or do you watch wrestling? Right, and then it goes to that. Um, so people like that who could really kind of appreciate it and then know what like how big a deal it is and how cool it was to actually be on it. Um, told some people in my work and that and they're like oh, what's that it's like oh, it's on a worldwide platform you know you know streamed all over the world you know I'm not saying nothing about that but um no it's it's um it, it's something again it's just something I never ever thought could be possible and it's just something again um that i don't let my my daughter watch a lot of cw stuff but then again a lot of the more stuff that's on the network isn't there's no as much you know violent and swearing and stuff so she gets to see me and she actually says a lot more to our wee friends and people and so oh, my my daddy's on the telly and on this and that um and you know again she, she's not what the kind of concept that where she like she like she's a bigger rock fan than i am and you know she'll say does the rock see, see you wrestle uh, refereeing and i was like ah, well he's got the network so if he looks up ikw stuff then maybe i so that's quite weird um and then uh she says oh maybe you could referee the rocks match and i'm like ah, he's, no it's no <laughs> trying to explain that side to her it's like you know I, I, no that's not gonna happen you know i don't i don't think they're gonna pick me up for scotland and take me to a wrestlemania main event you know <laughs> so well, actually it leads perfectly onto the kind of question that we're going to kind of wrap up on then do the social media stuff like that if you had the choice dream match or if you if you're so inclined, where and when? But dream match, who would you want to referee? Uh, could be a singles match, could be multi man, TLC, could be anything to your heart's content. Or what would you referee? Um, now, obviously, now it can't be like anyone for the past. Um, I would say that to to probably be at a WrestleMania or a Raw. Um, or, a, or a big WWE pay-per-view, you know, one of the big ones, like a SummerSlam or mainly WrestleMania, and probably somebody like um, Randy Orton and AJ Styles, I would say. Um, I've watched, obviously, Randy Orton, followed his, his career. Uh, <clears throat> AJ Styles, another one I, I popped for when he showed up in WWE because I'd seen, obviously, his TNA stuff and then, you know, knew he went to Japan and, and done all that. And it was always one of those ones that probably wasn't meant to get to WWE and then you always thought if he did get there would they get you know you know would they misuse him and that and the fact is he's just excelled um, I think to work with somebody like that somebody like a Randy Orton um, on a big stage and, and, and I mean doing um, doing Fear and Loathing it was like one of the biggest crowds I've ever worked in front of and it was an absolute buzz Um and I just, I'm very invested, like, to Sean and Thomas, who get who got to, you know, do the hydro when, when ICW ran that. But to maybe do something when you see, like, like WrestleMania is when they do these stadiums, you know, where, you know, 70, 80,000 people must be insane, incredible to do. So I would say probably, like, a Randy Orton, 
AJ Styles, even Drew McIntyre, something like that in a big stadium at Armenia would probably be the ultimate dream. Um, I don't think The Rock's going to come back and do any more matches. He might get that one with Roman, um, but yeah, I can't see me getting that. <laughs> uh, so you, you, you take do triple threat, Orton, Styles, Drew, referee that, go backstage and The Rock's there with a with a wee with a wee shot of uh, Terra Mana waiting for you. That would that would uh, be that would be the dream. That, w- that would be the dream. That is the dream. Yes. <laughs> uh, perfect. Well, thanks for taking the time to speak to me today. Of course, uh, by the time this goes out, Fear and Loathing will only be I don't know, three weeks away, something like that. Not mm-hmm. not that long uh, to go. I think it's, it's now two nighter. Uh, but where can people find you on social media if they want to to ask more refereeing questions uh, or just want to to find out more about yourself? Yeah, so I'm on I'm on all the the mainly big social media ones. Um, Instagram is just seven quinn seven. Uh, Facebook is Chris Quinn and Twitter. I don't use a lot of Twitter. I kind of, I kind of, I've started using it a bit more. Um, but it's just Chris Seven Quinn on Twitter at Chris Seven Quinn. Um, again, I'm I'm on most of them, but I don't. I try and limit a lot of time on posting a lot of stuff on social media, like Twitter especially. I just don't really use it as much. But Instagram, I like to kind of share my referee stuff, share my family stuff, share my workout stuff, my gym stuff, and that. Um, as you've probably seen on my Instagram, a lot. Get 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 all your hashtags in. I get my hashtags <laughs> in, yeah. Excellent, perfect. <laughs> thanks very much for joining me today. No, thanks, Matt. Appreciate being on, and uh, yeah, look forward to looking for it going out as well. Appreciate the, the invite as well. Yeah.